Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hi, this is Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, and today I'm answering your questions. And one that has come in time and time again is how do you deal with ageism? This comes from Rochester, New York. I've been laid off during COVID and now I must move forward. How do I do that? Really relevant question because corporate America isn't always kind to people as they age in the workforce, right? You're in your 30s, you're going along and you're living your life, you're not thinking much of your age. Uh, you get invited to a retirement party, you don't really want to go. Then you get to be 40, you're moving along, and you're starting to notice, well, if I don't get that executive position by 45, it might be too late. And you're starting to pay attention to age in the workforce. Well, by the time you get to your 50s, and I get this feedback from my clients all the time, you're understanding the age discrimination that is rampant. You're starting to hear comments like, she looks good for her age, or he doesn't really understand technology. And these comments are insulting. Then you get to your 60s and you hope you can just hold on to retirement because Congress changed the age from 65 to 67 when nobody was looking, and you're just praying you can hold on to your job. This is really dreadful, and we don't talk about it a lot in the workforce because we're focused on a lot of other things. I see DEI programs, diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, talk about a number of issues, but not ageism. And that just discounts their own forward progress because there are a large number of people in the age bracket 40 to 60 that are starting to think about and experience ageism. So if you're a DEI officer, I encourage you to include this as part of your program because that segment of the population can get behind you and support you. And when you don't even address it, you've lost their respect. I noticed that within a week's time, one week, one of my executive coaching clients was terminated. Another one was put on a 90-day performance improvement plan that is likely to end in termination. And another had his compensation decreased $100,000. I find it no accident that the ages of these three employees was respectfully 56, 57, and 61. In many ways, our culture does not value the seasoned wisdom of decades of experience or appreciate the dedication of years of service. Companies see that they can replace, quote, aging employees with younger people. They say they can pay less. 
as if they feel younger energy will bring more innovation and greater results at a lower cost. That is discrimination. Some companies feel the aging employee's mindset is outdated and that they can't keep up with technology. This is plain and simply age bias and not wise. It is short-sighted. Employees see this coming. Organizations send people they have stereotyped subliminal information, messages of disapproval that lower their self-confidence and deplete their self-esteem, leaving them doubting their worth. That's a dreaded place to exist. When someone carries this uncertainty in themselves, their perceived underperformance usually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, and the corporation is sitting back and saying, well, see, just pass their time. When the end finally comes, they are completely disheartened. The employees are annihilated. Companies forget that people in this age range taught themselves how to use a computer and every other form of technology and did not grow up with technology integrated into everything they learned. It demonstrates their resourcefulness. When it comes to adaptability, the aging worker has the market cornered. They have a hard work ethic, eclipsed by no other, and carry the least amount of entitlement of anyone in the workforce today. They don't need continual feedback when companies are spending a fortune to implement internal coaching and other programs to engage and retain workers. This generation is loyal to a fault. They've lived through the cycles of economics, industries, and markets and can anticipate from experience they aren't afraid to pick up the phone and cold call someone in a way that results in new business. They can carry on a meaningful conversation with someone they don't know naturally because it's how they built their portfolios before text messages and sound bites became the modus operandi. So why don't we harness the strengths of these seasoned professionals? Because we think they're not productive, stubborn at learning new things, and they can't learn technology. That's a bias. And then we develop confirmation bias and look for reasons why that's true. As leaders, we haven't spent time identifying how to modify the aging workers' roles so these Jedis can mentor others on how to connect, how to lead, how to sell, how to strategize. Instead, we just make cuts or spend fortunes on consultants to develop this generation. Let's leverage the talents of the mavens that have been around as advisors, trainers, and leaders. Let's not put them out to pasture. Other cultures don't do this for a reason. It's stupid and has no honor. Keep in mind Everyone will age. Some of you may say, well, I don't pay that much attention to discrimination issues. It doesn't affect me and I don't discriminate. This is one segment that will reach you. Everyone will age. So this is everyone's issue. As all discrimination is everyone's issue because we are all the sum of all the parts that we are. If we have one segment of the population that isn't equal, we're all not equal. Aging will happen to you. And if you are in this age group, here are some very sound tips, actionable tips that you can implement right now. Number one, 
make sure you work on things that are number one, measurable, number two, innovative, number three, hold a high learning curve, that they aren't things that someone can easily pick up. Because then as you earn more in the workforce, the corporation is saying, oh, we can get somebody in here younger, pay them less. Let's do that. This includes relationship building, specific technical or industry specific skills, soft skills, leadership, strategic ability. If you aren't doing these things, do so. Make sure what you're doing is measurable, innovative, valued. If that means leaving the company that you're with or transferring to a different role, consider doing so before they can replace you with someone younger at half the cost. You should be known as the maven of your area of expertise where people are coming to you because of your specific knowledge. Number two, be the part. Be in good shape. Dress sharply. Study contemporary magazines to notice what looks are trending right now. Study your younger colleagues to see what they wear. Like it or not, image matters. And when you are in good shape, you have the presence that shows confidence. You demonstrate that you care about yourself. Show that you understand discipline and structure by how you take care of yourself. Eat well. Mindful daily practices, exercise. I work on this repeatedly with my clients. Your mindful routines, your mindful practices show you and others through how you carry yourself that you care about yourself. Develop those mindful practices that keep your perspective fresh. Do activities that calm you, such as yoga, meditation, prayer. Read materials that inspire you every day. Other people are less apt to care about what you think if you don't care about what you think. Your appearance gives a first and lasting impression. Invest in yourself. Number three, make sure you work for a company that truly lives the values that hang on the wall. We've all been in companies that have dignity and respect, all those things they hang on the wall, but they don't live them. Define your personal values. What is important to you? Do your personal values align with those of the company? Choose to work at a company where the employees like to work, where they live the values. Number four, find time to mentor others. Share your expertise, counsel people, have an open door, listen well so that you may circle back to colleagues with advice in a non-threatening way. Ask good questions. Be the person no one wants to see let go. My clients work very hard on this. They're constantly developing rapport so that they are the person people come to. So that if somebody says, oh, we need to lay off so-and-so, the rest of the team says, oh, not that person. We need that person. Be the must-have, not the okay to have. Number five, understand there are different generations in the workforce right now and spend time with people outside of yours. I don't think that you have to look up 
what year falls into Gen Z, what year falls into millennials. I think we die in the weeds on this issue. There's a lot written on this, and I think that when we started segmenting the population by age, we created this problem of bias. We didn't do this for decades, and people got along better. They were more aware of each other. They didn't segment out, and so I'm not going to break down for you the different generations because I think it gets to be irrelevant. The center of the focus should be on we all have differences, be it race, be it religion, be it gender, sexual orientation, age. How are you accepting yourself in the still space, where we get into a quiet moment and say, I notice I'm judging for a certain reason here. And when we judge others, we are judging ourselves far worse. So it's a cue to become very curious to what's going on in your thought process so that you can change the story around that thought. So if you're maybe in your 50s, late 40s, early 60s, and you're thinking, you know, that generation, they just don't blank. It's a moment to stand still in the still space and say, okay, I notice mindfully that I'm judging here. I know that doesn't serve me. I know that I'm probably also judging myself, and in doing so, yeah, I sort of am. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel accepted. What can I do about that? Well, number one, start to change the lens. The lens through which you're looking. The lens that says, well, that person is in that generation, so therefore, blah, blah, blah. That's a judgment. Another lens, another thought, another story on this particular situation might be, I, start with yourself, I am feeling uncomfortable. I am feeling like I'm not accepted here. I'm feeling like I don't fit in. What's another way that I can look at this? Well, it might be an opportunity to reach out of my comfort zone and start talking and getting to know some people here. And to do that, maybe I'll just start with asking questions. Tell me a little bit about. Tell me what's your biggest challenge. Tell me about your family. Asking questions breaks the barrier. Number six, when interviewing and get told you're overqualified, have a response ready for that because that's just code for you're going to look for my job, you're not going to stay very long, we don't want to invest in you, you might be a troublemaker. Here is a good answer you might consider. You know I've spent my career with the pressures of corporate America, working up a career ladder, long days, long nights. At this point, I'm excited to find a role where I can put my expertise in this specific area to work to actually accomplish something without the extrinsic noise, without being pulled in different direction. This really excites me and I'm looking forward to the opportunity to just being able to be in my zone of genius doing this. You know, interview questions are really today very behavioral based to tease out your thoughts and ways that will help the hiring manager perceive how you may behave. And when they say 
you're overqualified or we're not sure you have the right skill set, you really want to be prepared to answer that before you go in because it's likely coming your way. All And I work with my clients on this really hard because these questions are really trying to position you to see what kind of a person you are and whether you're going to fit into the culture. And so you do prepare these ahead of time. You write out your answers ahead of time so that the first time you go to say it isn't the first time you've thought about it. Because likely you will have a better answer after the interview than when you're on the interview. So think about that. And they're never going to say to you, you're too old, because they know they can't. Legally, they can't say that to you. So they're going to couch it with different phrases, like the you're overqualified. Be prepared for the questions that you think might be asked. Number seven, define your strengths and be able to speak to your measurable key accomplishments. So somebody might say to you on an interview, well, you know, you don't have any experience in XYZ industry. And you can say to, in response to that, you're right. And when I started this role, I didn't have any experience in ABC industry. But let me share with you how I went about gaining that. And then tell them the truth. It might be, in the first 30 days, I met with all of the key stakeholders. I created a matrix with suggestions that they gave me. I looked for key things. I met with all of the top customers, etc., etc. You should know your signature strength. And if you don't, then they think you don't have one. You should be able to speak to your measurable key accomplishments. And if your resume doesn't have a lot of numbers and percentages in it, you don't have measurable key accomplishments. I submit to you that you most likely do. You just don't know what they are, and you have to take some time to tease those out so that they jump off the page. When I get a resume across my desk that says, I can use this software, I have experience doing this, this, and this, that does not say the same thing as I increased sales 50%, I decreased costs 15%, I got an unscheduled promotion in the first six months of my work. Those things are impressive because they have numbers attached to them. Build your self-awareness so you can be in a role that aligns with your talents. Define your strengths. Take strengths assessments and be able to speak to how you've used them to create measurable results. When you say, I've I'm a, an assertive leader. I'm very professional. This is all subjective. It doesn't speak to your results. It speaks to what you think of yourself. Those results should have numbers in them. Increase sales 8% in the first year. Decrease cost. Ask If you don't know what these are, ask your friends and colleagues to define your strengths. Send your best three or four friends an email that says, I'm putting together my value proposition. I'm putting together my brand. I'm looking for new opportunities. I'm really curious as to what you think stands out about me. Number eight, know your transferable skills and apply for roles outside of roles that you've already had. That means you can do, yes, you can, you can do roles in which you have never worked in that industry. The industry is not what's important. What's important are your transferable skills. 
Consider new industries, new roles, or smaller organizations. Not where they have 40 people in the HR department, where they need one maven that has been exposed to everything that has come up in your area of expertise. Define your transferable skills, and these fall in three main areas. Number one, communication. Number two, organization of information. And number three, operation of systems and equipment. And I probably should do a whole podcast on this, but let me give you a, a small abridged version. In the area of communications, if you can write, if you can speak, if you can negotiate, these are all transferable. So you may have done it in the healthcare industry. You can probably do the same thing in the business industry, in the accounting industry, in the consulting industry. The industry is not what is as important as the skill that you have. Number two, in the area of organization of information, think about how you organize files on your computer. If you were to leave the role that you're in today and somebody were to sit down at your computer, would they be able to find everything? If the answer to that is yes, then you're very organized. That skill is very transferable. You can take that organization to any industry. Number three, the operation of systems and equipment. Think of the per last person that did contract work in your home. They may have come in to do some painting. You probably ask them, can you do drywall? Can you also fix a light in this room? The electricity is out in this outlet. Can you fix my plumbing? Those are all very transferable skills. They, they work on a systems basis. And a mind that can work through those can most likely figure out things in other systems as, as well. If you've implemented a go live, if you've done software implementation, it's not so much the specific software, the transferable skill is that you can do a transfer, that you understand what needs to be measured to make that transfer successful. Define examples of how you've taken on new responsibilities in areas where you haven't had experience by using transferable skills and what you have measurably accomplished. Numbers again. Where have you used a transferable skill and where did it account for something measurably? Now, if you do all of these things that I'm talking about today, it will up-level your confidence, your mojo, and you're going to show up differently. Because how you're showing up and being perceived by others is based on how you're showing up for yourself and being perceived by yourself. You have to make the shift internally. And you do that by changing the lens through which you're looking at your life. It's not fair what's going on in corporate America. No question about it. But taking that blame and shame and pointing figures perspective is not giving you power. So take back your power. Do the things that I'm talking about here. Get yourself in shape. Watch what other people are wearing. Be proactive. Define your transferable skills. Go through your resume. Put in those key measurable accomplishments. All of this, no matter what age you are, up levels your confidence level, your presence, your executive presence. Number nine, and this is actually a fun part. Write down three people over the age of 55 who you admire. You are always looking at the pretty people in the magazines that are 20-something, 30-something, that look great, living a life. But who over 55 do you admire? It might be a parent. It might be 
a, a political leader. It might be someone from another country. Then list what you observe about them that draws you to them. Watch a video of them. Is it their body carriage? Is it their tone of voice? Is it their eye contact? Is it their philosophy? Is it how they're always learning and growing? Is it how they're a servant leader? Become observant of the people who are thriving in this age of life. And what about them contributes to that ability to thrive? Watch that video. What do you want to develop in yourself that you see in them? And number 10, separate your lifelong career accomplishments from the instance at hand. This is really critical. You have had a very successful career. You've done a lot of things. And as you age in the workforce, it's much like you age in our culture in America, not other cultures, but in America, you become discounted sometimes. That does not mean that you should automatically discount yourself. Nothing negates all that you have accomplished, no matter what life messages are coming your way right now. Make a list of all that you are grateful for, all of the wonderful things that you've accomplished throughout your career. No one can take them away from you. And build a repertoire of compliments. Reach out to people, especially if you're looking for a new role. Reach out to people that you worked with and ask for letters of testament, letters of reference. And to do so, it's helpful if you give them bullets of things that you accomplished when you were working together. That's where you pull out that list of measurable key accomplishments and say, I'm going through a career transition right now, or I'm creating a new plan for my life, and I'm putting together a portfolio of past experiences, and I really would treasure a letter of reference from you or some comments on what you think stands out about working with me. Do you mind putting something like that together? If you're putting a letter together, here's a date that I would request it by. Make sure you give them a deadline to make sure that you can actually get the letter and ask them to write it to whom you may concern and to date it. And you can use that for any number of things. If you're applying for a board somewhere, if you're applying for another role, just for yourself to read how awesome you are and always have been at the things that you're good at that are helping you define your signature strengths, your brand, your executive presence, your value proposition in the roles that you have had and what you bring to the table for the next leadership role that you have. As leaders, let's not stereotype our employees' failures ultimately are our failures as their leader. Embrace the expertise and wisdom of each employee individually so that you may place them in roles where they feel fulfilled and can benefit the company. Align their values with that of the organization's values. Set them up with measurable goals so their values speaks for itself. Support them with productivity tools and professional development tailored for their individual needs. They will pay for themselves.
I have something really special that I can't wait to share with you. Most of you know that I work by day as the CEO of a $31 million organization, and I coach a handful of clients in the evening. Now I have taken the tenets of mindful leadership and put that into a training program so that you can fast track your career leadership while also balancing that with a good night's sleep healthy eating habits, and close relationships. I call this program Mindful Leader Satisfied Life. Not only will you have the training, you also get one-on-one coaching with me, not a group, one-on-one coaching with me so that we can unravel your personal assumptions that are holding you back. You will no longer be unnoticed, undervalued, and inadequate, feel judged, and that others think that there's something wrong with you and you start thinking there's something wrong with you too because you're getting passed over for promotions, new roles, no longer doing all the things you hear you should be doing. Sigh of relief, right? With only defeat and the fear that failure is in your DNA forever dogging you in the back of your mind. You'll no longer be disconnected from colleagues, friends, and family, or following the shoulds that make you feel you're still behind the curve and might even lose everything altogether. No longer frustration about habits that show up in terms of snacking, disjointed relationships, vices, poor sleep. No longer making excuses while not actually getting any closer to high performance. So if you're interested in this program, all you have to do is go to my website, maryleegannon.com. Click on the link on the top that says Coach with Mary Lee. It explains all about the program. Fill out a few questions on the questionnaire so that I know a little bit more about you and I'll reach right out to you and we'll set up a time to talk and we'll get you started. No longer will you have to wake up and say, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had. Please remember that I can only take a few clients at a time and I already have a full book right now. So I'd like to make sure that you're on the list. Head over to maryleegannon.com. Click on Coaching with Mary Lee. Let's get started. I'm glad you were with me today and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com where you can also learn more about working with me.